0: All right, we are back. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this edition of the 615 Collector. Today is, what is it, Thursday, February 2nd. My name is Doug Turner. My partner here is Brandon Turner, and we are your hosts.
1: Yeah, and a quick reminder that we do take no sponsorships. We don't get paid to promote anybody, which is intentional, as we try to stay conflict-free, at least from anything other than our own biases
0: yeah and and for anyone who doesn't know we were going to mention this last time we forgot to but we are going to change up the release of the show we had talked before about how we're going to record on a day di- we used to record friday nights we're now going to record probably thursday nights i don't know maybe wednesday nights. whenever we can during the week we're going to drop the show those saturday mornings like early early saturday mornings um we're going to go back to that just because i've noticed Nobody we had listens when we yeah yeah pay, we get our our, our listenership drops quite a bit when we don't drop saturday we, we had three weeks we didn't drop on saturday morning and listenership drop we we dropped in on a saturday morning following that and it it popped back up so that seems to be better timing so we're going to go back to that and speaking of going back our schedules finally worked out and he's back our third man in it's not tom brady <laughs> although he may come back it's not michael jordan it's bigger than that we have a regular don't guest say host. That
1: like don't say that like we've had tom brady on here before no, <laughs> it's 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 none other don't, than dale Plum. don't fool don't fool people like that, that yeah I mean, that does not happened. no this is even yeah. bigger yeah. this and is that's, bigger that's
2: really that's really an unfair billing to me too i mean no like, it's not this is, Kander, i mean just no uh, don't don't, me up for-
0: don't sell yourself short <laughs> it's uh dale has graciously agreed to come back on the show although you know i have to say like you haven't lived up to the con your contract was once a month so we're and, we're withholding you know, the checks.
2: It, when it, whenever I get the nod, I'm I'm always up for it. It it doesn't it doesn't always comport with the work schedule, but trust me, I'd rather be here than just about anywhere else. Doug. You know that.
0: Yeah. Well, we appreciate it, and uh, I know we're happy that we could finally get schedules worked out. I do have to ask. So, do you prefer guest host or third man in?
2: You know, I saw that as a question on the on the sheet here, and I, I think I like third man in. Um, yeah. You know, I, you I don't know why any particular reason, but uh, I just, I, I guess I, I like the call up. Is all that really That's matters?
0: Right. Yeah, we went to the bolt. We called in the righty from. I oh, know we are the lefty. The lefty. Well, I, you're one of those. No, uh, this is so. So Dale, for those listeners who don't know, Dale played baseball growing up was a very good player, but you were one of those, you threw right and, threw right left. and hit,
2: yeah, hit lefty. My dad was a baseball player is when he grew up. So, and he naturally, I think both of us were left-handed and he, but he was a catcher and wanted me to have other opportunity than thinking I could just be a pitcher. So he kind of made me switch to the right hand throwing, but, I, I basically would otherwise do everything left-handed, I think.
0: Nice. Yeah. So we're going to the bullpen with the righty, kind of slash lefty. That's right. The ambidextrous Dale Plum. There is that kid, we talked about that, that was a while ago, that they can now pitch from both sides. He pitches, and he's good.
1: He's like 16.
0: Yeah, and yeah. he's like a he's like a hot process. He's good. He, he hits like 90 miles an hour on the gun from both sides. Yeah. Can
1: so, you do that, Dale?
2: Ver- versatility, That's that's big, you know.
0: Well, let's get kicked off. Well, you haven't been on the show in a while, but I know you've been busy during that time, not only with work, but with uh, spending all your money you in, on cards. That. So right. we, we'll get kicked off with mail days. I actually, believe it or not, don't have any mail days. Although I did I did do this. I don't know if our, maybe some of our listeners will appreciate this. I've got some cards in the PWCC vault. I hadn't had any mail days for a long time, so I'm like, you know what? I went in, I like shipped some cards, so I'm gonna get some cards in the mail, you know, probably like tomorrow or Saturday, just so I can have a mail day. I didn't buy them; they've been sitting there, yeah. but you know, now I'll have a mail day.
2: Well, yeah, mail days are the best. I, you know, I think I started listening to this podcast, and I'm like, yeah, you know, what's a mail day? And now I can't wait. And in fact, I, I try and like make sure I space them out every week or so. So there's, you know, constantly, it doesn't have to be the big dollar stuff necessarily, but I like a little bit of a, uh, you know, something coming in on a regular basis. So exactly uh, the, the journey for me has been a lot of fun. I've consumed actually quite a bit of content, you know, listening to other podcasts, things that you've recommended and kind of you know, seeing what my interests are. And we, we've talked, my, my interest tends to be more on the vintage side. And yep. so I, I've completed the fifties with my Ernie Banks collection, nice. which is, yeah, which is a, a, a massive accomplishment and, and something I'm super excited, you know, to, to talk well, about.
0: You, you got the big one, which is his rookie. Now what the year rookie was that was, again? Uh,
2: yeah, we had a, we had a pretty good year business wise in 22. So I, the bonus for uh, for all the efforts in 22 and the, the wife approved was the the Ernie Banks rookie card 54 tops an absolutely beautiful card and something you know that I had been looking at looking for just the right card that I could afford and uh you know in the right grade kind of again what you guys keep preaching on a lot of these podcasts and I I found that card and and secured it so that's awesome I'm
0: excited yeah. yeah that's awesome I know you shared a picture of it I'll have to I'll have to you have to share I think I'll have to see if I still have it on my phone if not you have to text me with it and I'll put it on social media for people to see the card we're talking about. but Dale you're for anyone that doesn't remember or didn't listen to the prior shows from because it was really it was last season but Dale's a big Cubs fan right and yeah and of course Ernie right his nickname is Mr. Cub yeah. so okay. yeah that's fitting
2: well, and it's funny as I mentioned, I've been consuming other content, and you mentioned a, a podcast or the crossover, right? With yeah. is Chris and Christina yep. and yep. Josh from yeah, uh, from Card, Card Ladder Runner. and yep. they they were they were talking about their PC, so like the personal collection, and then they were they brought up this term that I'd never heard before, but the side PC. So yeah. the, the Ernie Banks collection, my PC. The side PC, uh, you know, quote unquote, side PC would be Walter Payton. And uh, I'm nice. working on his, you know, I've got him through like 1981 or so. Right. So I brought, I bought the rookie card from you and it, now it's, you know, the PC is, is that Ernie Banks and I'm going to make sure and get all of the cards of his career and then Walter is the next one, I that sort of side PC I'm working on.
0: Awesome. Well, there you go, Brandon. That answers the question. We were wondering when we were doing our weekly card ladder record sales, who was buying all those Walter Paytons that kept showing up? Now we know who it was. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I might have been bidding up. I don't think I landed any of those, sites, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately.
0: Well, and that's kind of funny because, yeah, because Chris is, you know, big from uh, crossover crossover and card ladder, big Chicago Bowls and Michael Jordan fan, which fits yeah. with you. And then Josh, Josh, I think lives in, in he the Phoenix lives, area. Yeah,
2: he lives in Arizona. I don't know yeah. exactly where, but yeah, but he yeah. mentions it.
0: Yeah, you know? so that that's cool. That that's awesome. All right. So what else? So anything else? So you're you working on the Walter Payton. You work. You said you completed the '50s for Ernie Banks.
2: Yeah, and I'm working on the '60s. And and you know, I guess the the other part of collecting cards that I, I don't know that. When I started, I necessarily had anticipated, but I, you know, I started collecting the Ernie Banks cards and then I'm like, well, I know of him, the importance to the Cubs and the name, and I knew he was a great player, but so I I started researching him, right? The history, the history of that, I read a a great um, biography written by a Chicago Sun uh, Tribune writer. It was like, took him through his career and then Ernie as an individual, and then I read this book, "The Bubblegum Card Wars" about nice. Tops and Bowman, Tops and Bowman in the fifties. So yeah. it's taken me not just through sort of the cards. I'm like, yeah, let me read about the history of of both the Cubs and Ernie, and then baseball in that era, and you know, it's oh, dude, it's been really fascinating.
0: That's cool. I love hearing that. I love that. To me, that's exactly what it's all about, right there. We talked about that a lot, like. One of the things that, you know, collecting a lot of these cards and players do is they, you, you start to learn and, and then you get interested, it piques your interest and curiosity. You want to learn more. So you start doing research, like you said, reading a book, you know, learning more about who these players were, you know, right. they were before our time, even if we were fans of the team, obviously, you know, we weren't alive during the time they were playing. And so, yeah, it's and then that you know leads to something else like you were saying with the the Bowman tops, card wars, and all that kind of stuff. That yeah, that's awesome. I love yeah, that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a lot of fun. It really has. And, and the cards aside, it's been I've learned a lot, and it's really been enjoyable. So do you have a uh,
0: do you have a criteria that you go for on these cards? Like, are you going for minimum grades? Or are you just trying to like what what? How do you approach it?
2: That's a that's a great question. It's sort of adjusted um because I think I initially was looking for the highest grade that I could
0: could afford. afford. Yeah.
2: Right? Yeah. And now I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, you can get great eye appeal cards that are you know, maybe I can buy 2 63 and a 64 if i find a great eye appeal card that may be a lower grade than i necessarily would otherwise look at but in the slab the card looks great and i can get two of them that's so yeah i mean it the philosophy has sort of always been like what's the best grade i can afford yeah but i am looking now at more expensive you know as the interest peaks and I looked at the 48 Bowman, Jackie Robinson, or the 49, yeah. pardon me, like 48, 49 Leaf, Jackie yeah. Robinson. I'm like, <clears throat> amazing and beautiful cards. And I'll, you know, great doesn't matter there, right? It's just
1: yeah.
2: finding the greatest card that you can find because you have that card in your collection now, right? It, yeah. You're not going to sell it. These aren't things that I'm that are necessarily, now I'm not thinking about this as an investment, I'm thinking I enjoy this card. I would have this card, and it isn't something that I'm interested in returning an investment on. It's enjoyable in and of its own right. If that
0: absolutely, makes yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, totally. That's awesome. All right, well, so let's jump into a couple of things. We got a lot of good stuff to go over in the show today. I guess the first one, just real quick. We won't spend a whole lot of time, but Tom Brady retired. Yeah. Did he though? He obviously lacks the commitment. Dale.
1: I think he will. Dale has. (laughs) And Brandon, I
2: was thinking, I was thinking about this, this perfect timing. Brandon loves talking about Tom Brady and his retirements. (laughs) This is something (laughs) I I can remember. Yeah. Just do it or don't do it. I don't want to hear about it. Like it just, we're talking about Tom Brady. That's what I'm
1: saying, man. I think it's legit this time though. (laughs) I think you're probably right. I don't think you can do it three times. I think you're probably right. At the second time you have to stay retired.
0: I have to admit, I was I surprised though cuz I was expecting him to come back. I'm
1: kind of glad he retired. Yeah, he I think he needed too, to. But I think he probably was like, okay. Yeah. He probably didn't have the season he would have hoped for. Yep. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, and and there was remember the rumors with the Dolphins before he went to Tampa? was that it was going to be this package deal with Sean Payton as the coach. That didn't happen. And, of course, we'll talk about this in film study. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but Sean Payton went to the Broncos instead. Perhaps he
1: will go into like some kind of ownership there or something.
0: That would be interesting. Yeah, I could see that happening at some point. Well, and just real quick to give some – you know, looked up to see if his retirement announcement had any impact in his card values. I don't know that it did per se, but I will say, you know, we, we talked about this, I don't know, maybe a, a month or two ago when we were talking about some of the GOATs, like LeBron and Tom Brady and Jordan, a lot of these where their card values had come down quite a bit. And he was one we said, you know, could be interesting to look at if you like Tom Brady, want to collect his stuff. And sure enough, in in the last, you know, few months, Some of his stuff is starting to come back up. So as an example, I looked at his 2000 Bowman. This was the paper, not the chrome in a PSA 10. It's up nearly 40% from about 6,000 to the last sale was a little over 8,500. And that was just in the past month alone. His Bowman chrome was flat. um, The upper deck star rookie. I think that's kind of a cool one. It's up about 12%. And then interestingly, I have this one. I have a PSA 10 of his Pacific Aurora, but the PSA 8 is actually up over 25% at $182. The nine is just 235 and the 10 is up around 750, give or take. So seems like either that eight's a little high or maybe the others are a little low. And then one more I'll give you is his Skybox Impact. And that one's essentially flat at around $1,300. So a little bit of move in a couple of his cards in the last month or so, but not necessarily across the board. And then we'll get in we'll we'll do this in film study but we are just a little teaser. We're going to talk a little bit about officiating, a lot of scuttlebutt, one of our favorite words in the NBA <laughs> and NFL in in the last few weeks about questionable officiating, so we'll touch on that. And you want to you want to do jersey numbers though? Jump yeah. right into that.
1: Yeah, we only have like two.
0: You only have two. 67. Yeah, well, we'll we'll be quick about it, but we I will say that's one thing. We're going to have to start maybe being a little more, give more scrutiny to who we put on this because the NFL's Hall of Fame site, yeah. like I was, this this came up last week. Uh, what's his name? Um, little with the Broncos, and he's known for number forty-four, but he showed up under number sixty-six on the Hall of Fame's website. I went looked, and well, they have him listed both under forty-four and sixty-six. And I'm thinking, did he ever wear sixty-six? He must have, I guess, to be listed there. But anyway, so we had a list. So we'll maybe give a little more scrutiny. But yeah, so we had. To, to to what the numbers are, but Les Richter, who we had listed under 48, and so he he is now on – this is probably his more real number, I think. I don't okay, know. Maybe not. we already not. talked about him though Well, you know. What do you – so
1: we didn't, you're going
0: to about- give the impression that you're like Mr. Negative over
1: there. What do you him. mean? I'm just saying we've already <laughs> talked about him. We're ta- He's the only person besides Floyd, but that was an accident that we've talked about twice. Yeah. We so- didn't talk about like anybody else twice. Well, that's probably a good point we don't know that we did we don't think we did we purposely some guys who were like goats who warm up multiple numbers we skipped them until a later number that's right or We did, did do that. earlier yeah number, so
0: that's right we did a good point all right we won't talk again about les richter but if anyone wants to look him up you can go to the hall of fame website and we'll talk about the other one so i guess we have well yeah we have one we have bob kuchenberg he's offensive lineman for 14 seasons his entire career was with the, um, who was it with? The Dolphins, right? I think um, he's, uh, he's not in the Hall of Fame. Some consider that a pretty large snub. He played for the Dolphins from 1970 to 83. He joined the Dolphins in Don Shula's first season, made the Pro Bowl six times. He was a two-time Super Bowl champion. He was part of that undefeated Dolphins team in the 1972 season. And I love this about him as well as college. He went to college at Notre Dame, where my grandfather was a professor for years. He's a tough guy, played with a fractured forearm in his second Super Bowl, and also played, get this, with a broken ankle in a game against the Steelers. It's always games against the Steelers that someone's playing with a broken bone of some kind. How
1: do you play with a fractured forearm as as a lineman? I don't know. How do you even do that?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Tough guy.
1: Interesting.
2: But I just feel like that's what they did back in the day. Whether they they did or not, they were grizzly. They didn't really wear helmets. I mean, they, they didn't have cleats. They just... They played with broken bones and they didn't even blink. The guy just, yeah, just
1: pushed guy just get
2: like tackled the whole game.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> did no, he block I, anybody he, with that forearm. No, he must have played well, Probably or they like wouldn't blocking, have kept him blocking in. Walking with one arm. Yeah, and he, I mean, he must be a total stud, right? they said for much of the 1977 season, he played with fractured bones in his back. How
2: do you? that? <laughs> of course he did. Yeah, I mean, yeah <laughs> that's right. Of course, that's what you did. And that's, that's right. Never it
0: was so. Okay. And his rookie cards are in the 1973 top set. And we had none in the no, of note in the NBA, the WNBA, or in hockey. But another teaser for hockey: there are some big names coming up in future episodes. Maybe one honorable mention we in got baseball. Like, man,
1: we got like thirty until we get to the goat. This is ridiculous. To the oh, in hockey, in hockey, yeah. Nah, there's some big names coming. Yeah, the goat for but sure. Like, but
0: there are some big names coming I'm up. Bored. There's got a few big names. Because I'm coming like up.
1: thinking, at what point do we stop this madness of going this high in numbers? And I'm thinking, okay, like we get to like seventy-seven. But I'm like, man, we gotta go all the way to 99.
0: All right, Mister Negative. We no, got there's to gonna be a bunch of in the 80s. To to you're just thinking basketball. There's gonna be a bunch I'm, in the I'm 80s. I'm thinking 99. Wide receivers, yeah. In the and, 80s. yeah bunch of a bunch the of receivers. receivers
1: wear 80? Yeah, 80s. 80s. I thought yeah. there was a rule that they couldn't.
0: No, they all wear in the 80s. I thought they were lower. No, well, mm-hmm. some they are nowadays. Some a lot of them wear like in the teens or whatever. That's but, what I thought. But it used to be, and, and there's still a bunch that wear in the 80s. But, but I think yeah, Rice was 80. Right? Yeah,
2: specifically Jerry Rice
0: was 80. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a bunch of yeah I think Lynn Swan was 88 John Stallworth 82 gosh there's a bunch of them okay well can you blame
1: me we've had like 10 straight episodes with like two offensive linemen (laughs) nobody's ever heard of I think you you called it
2: you called it about 10 episodes ago and said it's all going to be linemen from here on out
0: what do you got against offensive linemen (laughs) just like do you know who any of these people are (laughs) no but they should
2: they should get their time
1: I know they should get their time with the spotlight yeah but I'm just saying like we got a lot of a lot of stuff to go through before we get to, like, some. <laughs> I'm just saying we have, like, 30 numbers to get through before we get to, like, the best player in hockey.
0: Yeah. Which is just like, oh, my goodness. But we got some big, there's some big basketball ones coming up, some big hockey like, ones coming like up. Like, one. Some big football ones coming up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all good. And then, so I'm going to give an honorable mention to Placido Polanco in baseball. Okay. He also, he wore number 67 for a number of seasons, but yeah. So there you go. So who's your pick? (laughs) We we have one, one guy to pick from. Bob Coochie. But we first. can't
2: pick the other guy that we already talked about twice? Or Les Richter.
0: No, you could pick Les Richter. He didn't
2: Richter. get picked the first time around, I would imagine. That's he's right. Picked, I just it's picked him. Kill,
0: Brandon, that's a reason yeah. why. Yeah, see? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a reason why we should bring him a second <laughs> that's, time because maybe
1: he's got a shot. It's like the that Hall of the Fame dumb, ballot. You know, to make it the first I've time, maybe get another <laughs> shot. Uh, uh, no, you get a shot with the guys of your number. This isn't guys of his number. Oh, okay. Then he, yeah, he doesn't
2: count.
0: Did we talk about, though, how the – who was it for Les Richter? How was it – he was drafted by the Yanks, yeah. given to the Texans. The Texans traded him to the Rams and returned for 11 players. Did we we talk about that? We
1: did talk about that. Did we? Yes. It's
0: like the Herschel
1: Walker Hall
0: right there. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Okay. Ben – or, yeah, Bob Kuchenberg.
1: All right. Let's keep moving. (laughs) That is the only one you can pick. Yep. All right. And Notre Dame guy. I'm in. Okay. All right. Let's go to the halftime report.
0: Okay. So breaking news to get started. This is not on the show notes for you guys. So I'm going to read this from the phone, but because before we started recording earlier in the day, Fanatics had some news out that they are going to be moving into the live stream shopping and collectibles business. They've hired a former Snap and Alphabet, which is a.k.a. Google executive to launch their New business later this year. And it's going to be It sounds like called Fanatics Live, part of their sports platform. They're going to have a standalone app, a coinciding website. They plan to launch it in the second half of 2023, create kind of a dig a cust a digital customer shopping experience. We can buy trading cards, other collectibles. Uh it's going to be interesting. And then Fanatics gets a percentage, it sounds like of each transaction. I'm not exactly sure if this is going to be like a Home shopping network, or if this is more like a, a whatnot and loop, and you know some of the or uh, some of those apps that have you know marketplaces and selling platforms. It did say they're going to do some breaking, the highlight breaker breaking. So I, again, I don't know if they're going to have like you know local other like sellers in the hobby coming on, or if it's all going to be proprietary. I don't know. So more, we'll have to learn more about it. More to come. But yeah, there you go. Fanatics is going to be doing some live streaming. And so this is where now maybe we're going to start to see fanatics trying to grow the space and become a little more mainstream with stuff.
1: Um, So hockey fans have the chance to own a piece of Miracle on Ice history. Um, Steve Kristoff's gold medal from the 1980 Winter Olympics in Lake Placid is up for auction at SCP auctions. Kristoff was one of the best players on that 79 to 80 United States men's hockey team. He was the team's leading scorer in qualifiers and made some big plays in the gold medal game against Finland. And remember, the win over the Soviet Union was in the semifinals, so they had to win again in the finals to win the gold medal, and the team USA fell behind 2-1 to one against Finland before rallying to win 4-2. So Kristoff's gold medal has been sold at auction before. It went for $319,800 at golden auctions in February of 2020. Bidding will close for this one on February 4th, and the current bid, uh, last time we checked, was at $258,926.
0: Yeah, there you go kind of kind of weird that it came up for auction again so it's only like what two years? well i guess maybe three years almost three years later came up for auction again but it'll be interesting to see if it exceeds the last price it went for and then get this dale the babe ruth cut auto was apparently found it was on a ty cobb card and apparently this is legit remember because there was they, oh, well, they thought they yeah. found it on a george brett card but that turned out to be fake this apparently was legit. It was on a Ty Cobb co- 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 card. But so now the question is, well, well, then where's the Ty Cobb cut auto? I mean, like, is this just going to keep going? Like, was every cut auto, like, was all, did the whole set get messed up? Yeah. <laughs> you know?
2: Well, and then do those all become error cards? I think
0: you yes. asked that question in the yeah. last... Well, that's yeah. exactly, like, who, does the, does, does the person that has the Babe Ruth card, does he get the Babe Ruth cut auto, or does the Ty Cobb, you know... Like how are they gonna sort this
1: oh, out? Yeah, if I'm the, the if I'm the t- to to cut auto,
0: I know. But is Panini gonna like give him? How, how yeah. can you
1: even do that? I, think I don't it know. Just has to be an error.
0: Yeah, Panini said they're gonna do something to make it right. So I don't know if that means they give him another card with a Babe Ruth auto or what they're gonna do. We'll have to we'll have to just like
1: send. They just like send him like a piece of paper with his signature on with it. With his cut,
0: yeah. Or maybe he sends the card in and then they could replace it. Perhaps put the you know cut auto in there. I don't know, but this seems like a mess. Cause now there's a Ty Cobb cut auto sitting out there somewhere and then whatever card that's on, right. That got Jackie Robinson card and it's got the Ty Cobb cut. Now where's Jackie Robinson's cut? I'm making yeah. that up. I don't, don't quote me that, on that. That is a mess. And then here's another debate for you. I got thinking about this one. Cause this has come up a fair amount in the hobby. Should PSA or really any company SGC, any of them should they grade authentic autos on fake cards And let me, let me, let me, let me tell you, let me, I'll set this up because they're, they're doing this. They could potentially be doing this now, right? Because you, they, you can send a card in that is not a real card, but has a real autograph on it from the player. And they will authenticate and grade the auto. But if you tell them you don't want the card graded, they won't do anything. And so they'll slab it with, you know, auto grade, let's say of eight or whatever the grade gets right on the auto 10, whatever. And, and so they authenticate that, but they don't make any statement about the card itself. I think it's a deceptive practice, not from the grading company, but from the person submitting the card because it makes it appear that card could be real when it's not. And so there's a part of me that feels like if you're submitting a fake card, like the grading company should just say, look, if you submit a card with an auto on it, even if you don't want us to grade the card, we are going to authenticate it. Just to avoid any kind of funny business, or avoid any sort of deceptive practices that could occur from that. That's not. A
2: hundred percent. A hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, right, you, have to, right. you have to note the card authenticity or not because yeah, you could an autograph can be authentic on a piece of paper. It doesn't right. need to be an authentic card, but right. that needs to be noted because the card would otherwise have value in most cases.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, sure, but at the same time, I feel like. I mean, yeah, they probably should, but I want to say it's, it's no different than me just like getting like a book and having somebody sign it. Exactly. Like, no, I agree. So, like the card,
2: yeah the, yeah, the autograph, the autograph authenticity, you know, on a card, on a book, on a, whatever it is, doesn't necessarily matter, but there should be some recognition of just saying the card didn't you know whoever it is the submitter didn't want to have the card graded or some sort of recognition that the card is just the vehicle for the autograph and shouldn't be considered but what you're saying is is it could otherwise be considered if it if it wasn't not considered or otherwise noted you might think the card was legitimate
1: that's right yeah I mean that's, that's fair, right. but like at the same time, like if they didn't grade the card, you can see that the card is not graded.
0: Right, but you don't know whether it's phony or not, right? Because some of these fakes are pretty good; they're hard to tell. So it could be passed off as a legitimate card with a legitimate auto, and therefore mm-hmm. command a higher value than it would if you knew it was a fake card with a legitimate auto. And you to know, your why point, why would
1: you buy a card that's not graded where the auto is graded, expecting that the card is real? I wouldn't. Really, I would, I would suspect. Like, why would you submit to get an autograph graded and not the card?
0: That's a good point. Unless the card, I don't know. Isn't real. I don't like, know I, what the reasoning would be. Yeah, that you're. It's a good point. Maybe that's the you know. But that's why I'm not feels, saying
1: PSA shouldn't like authenticate it. But I'm just saying like I feel like. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like buyer beware.
0: Yeah, well, sort of I feel thing. like no. Look, I'm not. It's not PSA's fault. But what I am saying is maybe or any of the grading companies like we're picking on PSA. Right? Could be Beckett. Could be CSG, CSGC, whoever. I guess what I'm saying, though, is maybe what I think maybe what they ought to do is institute a policy that says we're not going to just if you submit because it's Dale, to your point or Brandon yours, you know, you could get autograph on a piece of paper and and it's but this is different because you're putting it on something that is a you know, it'd be like if you put it on a LeBron jersey and tried to pass it as a game worn jersey or something, you know, and you didn't authenticate it. You just authenticated it's a real auto on a LeBron jersey. I don't know, maybe that's not a good example. The card, I think, is a unique situation because the card itself has value, whereas a piece of paper doesn't, right? But now you put an autograph on it, you know, or a postcard, whatever it is, you put an autograph on it, now maybe it does. The card itself, though, has value unless it's fake. If it's fake, it doesn't. A a real card with a real auto is certainly, you know, at least the way the marketplace has voted so far, Right, that what's been going in the
1: marketplace is that a real card with a real auto has a higher value than a fake card with a real auto. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I'm <laughs> looking at the question: should PSA grade authentic autos on fake cards? I say yes. Well, they should grade yeah, you're right. I'll not yes. agree. I'm just gonna agreed. say agreed. Yes. Autog-
2: the autograph should be graded. I just think like PSA has off center, or there there should be some designation that the card was not reviewed for authenticity, whether yeah. it's real or not, that doesn't matter what you're buying is the autograph. And that, yep. sh- that could yep. very simply be, be made clear by the grading company. Yeah. Get, you know, it should, I mean, you could leave it up to the buyer, but it's also, again, they have all kinds of designations that you could otherwise say, this has not been authenticated as a card.
1: I mean, I would, I would, the only thing I would say to that is, if they were going to do that, there would need to be an option for it to be like low key. Because what if somebody just wanted to grade an autograph for themselves? They're not planning on selling it. they don't want some like big label on the card that says fake card. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. They just yeah. want like the odd, they yeah. say like, Hey, this autograph is graded like a 10. Yeah. It's a nice autograph, yeah. you know? And I the like great, it. It's, yeah. The, the autographs.
2: Yep. Agreed. That's
1: it's the only thing I would say. It's,
0: no, I agree. It's just a tough one because I do think it allows a bad actor to, yeah, to, for to, sure. to essentially engage in a deceptive practice that could be avoided if the, and, and it sort of makes the grading companies culpable, even though it's unintentional. Like, no, I like, agree. I'm just kind yeah. of playing devil's advocate. Right, just
1: trying to point right. out yeah. situations Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a good
0: point. All right. Well, that's enough on that. Let's do some card ladder record sales. We had uh, actually a non-sport card. This is a really cool one. I actually love this one. We've had this one on before, and I would love to get this. I don't have this card, but it is the 1940 Superman. And this is the number one card in the set, which is of Superman. And in a PSA 2, it sold for $5,000 via eBay. Have you seen that card, Dale? I have
2: not, but I can only imagine. Because
0: you're a big comics
2: superhero Uh, fan. and so, yeah, we, we talk about the card collecting journey and then, you know, I see goofy stuff like the 1989 Nintendo Punch-Out cards. Yes. When I graduated high school in 1989. I played Punch-Out as a kid. Of course, I've got to get the Glass Joe in the tent. <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah, uh, I'm all about all of the pop culture stuff from our youth. Yes. It's
0: super cool. 100%. Man,
1: how short do you think the character of that game is? Because Mike Tyson is not that tall. But in that game, Mike Tyson looks like a giant, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That character's yeah. got to be like three feet tall. <laughs> Don't yeah. you don't you have that? I didn't you go I, get that game? I
2: have the I have the uh, stand-up version. The, it's Super Punch Out is the one that I have. So nice made for like six or eight months from 1985 to 1980. You know, yeah, 1986 by March. But yes, I do have that. Uh, you know, I was raised on Silver Spoons. If you remember that show, yep, I with do with Ricky Ricky Schroeder. And I thought the height of all things was having video games, full-size video games in your house. I'm like, you'd arrived at that point. So I made the commitment to myself that one day I'm gonna have a full size video game. And $250 later I've got a super punch out of that nice. House.
0: That's awesome.
2: Well that <laughs> thing that
0: brings back memories because man, that was yeah, Brandon, this is before your time, but now here in the Southeast, the 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 hangout for well Brandon's not in high school anymore, but like for the high school, middle school kids is is the Sonic for Dale and I's time it was 711.
2: It was 7-Eleven. And they
0: yeah. had the punch out and we would <laughs> sit down what, there playing punch yeah. out all the time. How much yeah.
2: money did we waste at 711 playing punch out? Have you guys, out? You
1: guys we, beat punch you out? Were there. Yeah. Anybody yeah. yeah. beat Let's, Mike Tyson? We did. We got yeah. This
2: yeah. was, was pre Mike Tyson. So oh, that's Mike right. Tyson oh, it was Yeah, before he
1: before Mike Tyson had. Yeah, it. so okay. the
2: Mike Tyson brand came with Nintendo as the like hmm. the Nintendo version of the home game. But punch out as oh, okay. the video game was a stand-up video That's game right. in the 80s that yeah the yeah. tyson piece came when it became a handheld home game it's
1: like, it's like the nice. same game though just with mike tyson <laughs> yeah <laughs> with
2: mike tyson as the guy yeah and we, you had <laughs> the, the character boy, like, the who, boxing oh, the, character
1: the dream the other one what's that who's the other one the the His
2: name was like Mike. It was something Mike, and I'm, I'm trying to yeah. remember. But he was the a super short character that was, you know, obviously the the underdog in every every match that he
0: yeah. had. Oh yeah, we we would spend spend a fortune on that, drinking big gulps, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those and,
2: horrible the horrible nachos with the glow in the dark cheese. And we, <laughs> exactly. we did it all. Yeah. That's
0: right. And and the thing about that punch out though too is. Um, and it kind of what ruined it for me eventually is someone, some kid, somewhere along the way figured out that there's like some pattern, and if you just followed the pattern, you could beat it every time. And yeah. then it was like, and which was cool when you first learned about it, you're like, awesome. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, now this ruins it because I just win every right. time.
2: You right, know? exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. Uh, that was awesome. All right, well, let's move on here. There was a couple of Gaudies. 1933 Gaudi, Babe Ruth. This was the one where he's standing up batting in an SGC-6 sold for 52800 via Heritage. And then the other Gowdy was a 33 Lou Gehrig in an SGC-4 that sold for $10,500 also in that Heritage auction.
1: All right. And then we have, what, 2013 Upper Deck, Rory uh, McElroy PMG, number to 125. This was a raw. It was a, an employee exclusive. Uh, it yep. sold for 2325 on eBay.
0: Yeah, that's a cool card, too. I've seen that one. It's like a, I think it's purple, the PMG or the color. You know, they had like red and green, and that one I think was purple. Maybe that was because of the employee exclusive. Then you had this was a nice vintage one 1951 Parkhurst Gordy Howe. That's his rookie card in an SGC3 sold for $8,700 via eBay.
1: All right, and then a 79 Tops Dale Murphy PSA 10 sold for 7500 on eBay not his rookie but believe it's the first card with just him um as his rookie has four players um, yeah. i think it's called is it called top rookie catchers yeah
0: it's the tops card uh, in and there's actually one in 77 and 78 but it's they have four players top rookie catchers even though dale murphy not to be confused with dale plum was known for playing outfield not catcher in the pros but i guess maybe he was a catcher as a prospect Uh, Lots of Mickey Mantles and Michael Jordans were on the list setting records this week as well, but
1: there you go. That's the, um, that's the record sales from Card Ladder. All right. Well, that's it for the halftime report. So let's go ahead and get to film study. All right. We got a lot to cover in film study. We're going to do a little WNBA free agency,
0: a little major league baseball hall of fame. And then obviously we got football playoffs and we got some basketball stuff too. We got all stars and trade deadlines and other things to cover. So, Let's kick it off with WNBA free agency. Yeah, a lot of interesting movement, man. Yeah, some big moves with some big players. We said a couple of episodes ago it was going to be an interesting season for the WNBA. Candace Parker, she signed with the Las Vegas Aces, leaving the Chicago Sky.
1: That is just crazy, man. They yep. Literally, their starting five could all be All-Stars.
0: Yeah. All five of them. That yeah. is nuts. They're going to be good. Uh, like Ham- all
1: five of them have been All-Stars. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's like the Golden State Warriors, man. Like the, those those four years. Yeah.
0: Well, and we'll wait though, because there's another team in here that's going to end up being and So Hamby, who was on the Aces, got traded to the Sparks. And then and then actually, interestingly enough, as soon as she got traded, she blasted the Aces for uh, unethical treatment uh, of her during her pregnancy. Uh, Brianna Stewart was another big name. Yeah. And she was considering the Liberty and the Storm. And then the update was she now is apparently signing with the Liberty. That'll be fun. So she joins Sabrina Ionescu. And, I mean, the Liberty, there's a couple other that's players on That's quite a team.
1: one-two punch right there, man.
0: Well, and they have a couple other players. That, that's going to be a loaded team. Yeah. So they're going to be good. Uh, Courtney Vandersloot announced she's not returning to Chicago Sky. So Chicago Sky is losing a lot of good players. And if she joins New York, look out, because it sounds like she said New York and Seattle were kind of going to be her two choices. Seattle's where she grew up she went to college in Washington so probably more likely she'll sign there but we'll see and then the Aces Las Vegas apparently plan to sign Alicia Clark who's a 35 year old two-time champion so that is the thing about the Aces they got some some experienced veterans with Candace Parker they got, and Alicia Clark. they have
1: two MVPs in their starting lineup yeah I uh, also say um Apparently, Allie Quigley is going to sit out this season. I'm not really sure why. I think she's getting close to retirement. She said she's not retiring, but she's going to sit out, I guess. I really? Don't, I don't have the full story on that. Huh. But I just saw that.
0: That's interesting. Well, and, you know, it's hard. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll get some – I was trying to look up some card values. There have not been a lot of transactions that I could find on cards for Candace Parker and a Stewart. And actually, some of the stuff I could find, there wasn't a lot of movement. So – you know, if you're interested in, in collecting some of the WNBA players, there could be some opportunities there. Let's move on then to baseball. We talked last time about the Hall of Fame and how Scott Rowland and, and uh, the crime dog Fred McGriff made it in. And so thought we would come back this time, maybe look at a little bit of the card values for, for um, Scott Rowland, but then also maybe talk about some of the players that didn't make it in. It, it is interesting with Rowland because here was the thing with him. And I, look, I don't fully – understand the whole process of the Hall of Fame, you know, voting, because there's like they can be on the ballot for like 10 years. And then if they don't make that, there's like all these committees they they can ultimately go through. But with Roland, they said, you know, one of the things that sort of cleared the way for him was some of the big names falling off the ballot in the last few years. And I wasn't sure how I felt about that. I mean, is that right? Like it's just because some big names fall off and there's not as many names, do you you know I'm not saying Scott Roland's not worthy of it. I just thought it's kind of interesting. Like, is that should that be a factor? That like, well, there's not a lot of others to vote for this year, so we'll vote for these. That's interesting. I don't know. Maybe the maybe that's not the way people think about. It. I'm sure they. You know. uh,
2: I I don't know that that should be a consideration. In fact, I don't think it should. But I know there was concern whether there were going to be any Hall of Fame inductees this year at all. I mean, yeah. McGriff, McGriff had been on, you know. For a while, and yeah, yeah. so I, I think I think there is some pressure, obviously, for every year there to be inductees, and you would happen to be luckier in years where there's less competition there, right? Because I was thinking about Dale Murphy, and there was a lot of—I don't know if you've seen yep. it on social media—there was a lot of comparison. You know, yep. The, the card, you know, so that was an ode to Dale Murphy in terms of, you know, him as a player. But there's a lot of comparison between, and in fact, if you look at it statistically, Dale Murphy should be in the Hall of Fame if Scott Rowland is in the Hall of Fame, right? They're yeah. Very similar players statistically. So I, I, I think timing does matter in life, and in this case, it it helped out.
0: No, I think that's it's a good, it's a great point. And like with Rowland, apparently he just got 10 percent of the vote in 2018. And and then moved up and and his move now into the hall over that what is that five year time frame I guess was apparently one of the biggest moves up in history in terms of of the vote but you know because you think about it like it I think it's the writers right to do the voting on the ballot and so you think about it, each one has one vote right I, I don't know I, I don't that that may not be true I, I don't know how many votes they get but but they they have I'm sure it's a finite number so it's not like you can you know, vote for every, you know, if there's, I don't know, let's say you have five votes and there's 10 people on the ballot, right? You have to pick which five. So you're right. I mean, fewer people on the ballot. And then I don't know, do you have to use all your votes, you know, or can you withhold a vote?
2: I need to look that up. Yeah. You probably don't have to vote necessarily. And I I don't think it doesn't mean that Scott Rowland is not worthy of being in the hall of fame. Right. Necessarily, It's a, yeah,
0: well, Scott Rowland's rookie card's in the 1995 sets. You can, you can pick up a lot of his stuff for under $100 in a 9 grade. It's maybe a little bit more with a 10 grade. But some of the guys that didn't make it, Todd Helton, he's been making a similar move as Scott Rowland. He did get over 72% this year, so good chance he gets in next. Uh, Carlos Beltran got a high first-year vote which I thought was interesting because, you know, he's part of that sign stealing scandal with the Astros. And so a lot of people will say, well, that, that shouldn't be comparable to the PED thing, but like, I mean, should it not be, it's still cheating, right? Does it matter if it was performance enhancing drugs or stealing signs? Like a cheating is cheating, right? I don't know.
1: Correct. Yeah. I mean, the hardest thing with baseball is that it's like actually possible to cheat. And it was like a big thing. I mean, it's possible to cheat in every sport, but it was like a real thing in baseball especially.
0: Yeah. Well, and That's he was, hard, man. and he know. was caught, right. And found guilty of it was apparently one of the master. No, yeah. They were, that.
2: they were, they were caught. Yeah. And yeah. He, he wrote P Rose was caught only betting on his team too. And he's still, he's still not in the hall of fame. So the hall of fame does, does sort of hold itself out as, you know, looking at the individual as a citizen or, you know, yep. a steward, of the, a steward of the game versus where in the NFL, he, all that necessarily matters is acumen on the field. Yeah. Right? But the MLB sort of puts another layer on top of that. Yeah. Which...
1: I think um, it'll be interesting to see what do you think the PED thing with Tatis does for his Hall of Fame chances?
0: Well, he's not, he's got to put together more of a career. He's well, still too young to even, even be considered, but well, yeah. Well, I know,
1: but he's like very well on his way. Yeah, he could be. Like I guess he, what I'm he, saying, like if he gets to the end of his career, do you think that is even considered?
0: it's in it's for, a good for such point
1: such a silly like use the, of it the
0: difference with him know. from some of the other players assuming so let's assume that he goes the rest of his career puts together a hall of fame career you know numbers and everything and doesn't have any more you know violations or whatever let's assume that happens the one thing i think is slightly different with him than the others is he wasn't caught using it while playing. That's he what i was I'm caught saying, using it while rehabbing. That is, an my, injury.
1: that is my question. That's why I'm asking it. Because, yeah, I, look, because, because, quote unquote, I mean, the, and the, the MLB, I think, would stand by this is that cheating is cheating. So, like, you know. Well, I'm not saying that. I think that, that is, this is a totally different but situation. But it's not a big leap. But I'm just making the point. Yeah. Like, it, this yeah, is a question. It, it
2: it's also not a big leap if you're rehabbing to say that he may have otherwise you And I'm not casting aspersions. Yep. I'm just saying, you know, yep. the doubt is always there no matter if it's regular season rehab or whatever. Yep. Um,
0: It's a good point. Well, you know, I posed that question on social media back when that happened is that, hey, is Tatis's, you know, PD violation any different than the others? And the overwhelming response from everybody was no, it was not any different.
1: That's interesting.
0: They all thought it was very, you know, regardless of the fact that. And that's probably because of what like Dale's saying, right, is that you kind of feel like, well, if you, it's not a leap, right, to say that if you were doing it there, you might have been doing it otherwise. Yeah. But so, okay, then Arod. speaking of which, he didn't move much. 35.7 of the vote versus 34.3 last year. We'll talk about a couple other players. Um, Sheffield, Gary Sheffield got 55% in his ninth year on the ballot. So that's kind of at that level where they say, you know, so you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. So we'll see if he gets in next year. Uh, Jeff Kent falls off the ballot. It was his 10th year. He didn't get in. But apparently, like I said, still has a chance through all these, you know, committee votes that happen. It doesn't look like Manny Ramirez is going to get in. He just got 33.2% of the vote with three ballots left. So another, you know, PED guy. Uh, First timers that didn't even get 5% of the vote, which is the limit to stay on the ballot. So they drop off immediately. will include Bronson Arroyo. He's your, your boy, your pitcher from the Cincinnati Reds.
1: Okay.
0: R.A. Dickey, John Lackey, Mike Napoli, Houston Street, uh, Matt Kane uh, Jacoby Ellsbury and Andre Ethier, JJ Hardy, Johnny Peralta, Jared Weaver, and Jason Worth. So they all drop off. None of those will end up being in the hall of fame and get, I guess, unless they can somehow get a committee vote later on. I'm not sure again, what all the rules are behind that, but yeah, so there you go. There's your, um, results from the, from the hall of fame. So let's move on. You want to do hockey next? Yeah, let's go through that. Yeah, we got some sad news this week. Uh, Bobby Hull, the hockey legend, passed away. He was a Hall of Famer, Stanley Cup champion. His number nine jersey was retired by the none other than the Chicago Blackhawks. Dale, are you a Blackhawks fan?
2: I most certainly am, my I friend. would think so. Yes.
0: Yeah. And so he played with them from 1957 to 1972, spent 15 of his 17 seasons with Chicago, Uh, He won the Hart Trophy two times. He was a 10-time first-team All-Star, and he racked up 604 goals, 549 assists during his career, which currently puts him at 55th on the all-time points list. He was nicknamed the Golden Jet. He was the first player to score more than 50 goals in a season ever in the league, first one to do that. He was Obviously, it's happened a few times since then, but he was uh, 84 years old when he passed away. His rookie card is in that 1958 top set. According to PSA, they said it is hard to get with good centering because apparently it's due to the card being placed in the bottom corner of the uncut sheet, and so centering is often 70, 30 or worse. And so along those lines, there are no 10s in the PSA pop report. There's only two nines and seven eights that don't have qualifiers on them and just 572 total cards graded. Again, that's on the PSA pop report. I did see where an SGC-8 recently sold for $49,200 in the Heritage auction. And to give you an idea on the range of prices here, a PSA-2, so kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, sold recently for $1,125. So there you go. That's uh, a little bit about Bobby Hull, the legend that passed away. And then we talked at Austin Matthews. He's out three weeks with a knee injury. That's pretty significant. And no sooner did we talk about Boston last week and the the um, the rampage they've been on than they went out and lost three straight games. That happens. Yeah. So, but they did break it. Oh, they they broke the streak of losses at three. And now the streaking team is Carolina. Carolina is 9 0 and 1 in their last 10 games. They've got, remember, they've got Brent Burns this year. Um, they've got Sebastian. Ajo, and he is now on a six-game goal streak. So he is uh, – Carolina and Sebastian Ajo are, are playing very well. And uh, they're now challenging Boston for the best record in the league. I think they've got nine losses. Boston has seven or eight losses, something like that. So it'll be interesting to see as we're getting down – kind of getting into the home stretch here for hockey. Uh, that's all we got on hockey. And so we want to go to the NFL? Yeah. Before we get to Super Bowl predictions. And I
1: can't believe the Bengals lost that game.
0: Before we get into that, let's save <laughs> that it. Really cuz I do I, I want to ask both of you this question. This we're going to take it we're going to rewind the clock here a couple weeks in the playoffs cuz we we forgot to talk about this and I want to pose this question to y'all cuz I actually think it it became an issue in the playoffs. The league go back to I guess it was the division round of the playoffs, right? And the, or was it the wild card round? Um, no, it might've been the wild card round. Yeah, it was, it was a wild card round. Cowboys were playing the bucks, right? Yep. And that game was Monday night. Yes. Right. Yep. All the other games were Saturday and Sunday. And then the Cowboys had to go play the 49ers the following week. And I'm trying to remember, I should have looked this up before we started the show. Did the 49ers play on Saturday or Sunday? That's a good question. That, that is
2: a good record. question.
0: I'm going to see if I can't look that up while you guys are, uh, while you guys are giving me some Jeopardy music or something here. I don't know. And the reason is, is because one of the things that um, I, I just, it it put them at a disadvantage, I think, right? Cause they didn't have as much time to rest and to prepare.
2: That's a great call. I didn't even think about the Monday night game. Yeah. yeah.
0: Let's see. What was it? It was the, maybe it was Sunday. I was going to see if it was Saturday because that would have given them two days. I guess it was Sunday. So, nonetheless, they got a day. They got an extra day to rest and prepare versus the versus the Cowboys. Cowboys were the only team, right, or would have been Tampa Bay, right? Whoever won that game between Cowboys and Bucks would have been the only team that had to turn around on a short week and play mm-hmm. that. Why would the NFL do that? Yeah,
1: they want a Monday night game.
0: I know that is why <laughs> they want they, they wanted the uh, Monday they want night that game.
1: Peyton and Eli broadcasts. Yeah, but it, it does
0: seem – I do feel like that put the Cowboys at a disadvantage. Remember that 49ers game was close. Who's to say, right, that maybe another day to prepare had a different outcome? I'm kidding. I mean, probably wouldn't know. Who cares? But, but you know, come on. Stir, stir the pot a little bit, right? But, yeah,
2: all, all things being equal, you they should have the same amount of rest, right? Yeah. I mean, they, those teams had earned it. And That's kind of what attribute. I thought. Yeah.
0: But – All right, well, we'll move on from that. I'm not going to make too much of it, but I did was just curious to get your all's thoughts on that. Uh, Other quick news before we get into the playoffs, the Broncos. I think we mentioned earlier they hired Sean Payton as their head coach. They kind of gave up a haul, a couple of picks, some compensation. So they're no longer going to have a first-round pick in the upcoming draft. I'll tell you what, Broncos are making some big bets. Obviously, they haven't panned out yet. We'll see if this one works. I did look at Russell Wilson cards to see if there was any movement As a result of the signing of Sean Payton, and you know, maybe a little bit like his 2012, which is his rookie tops, Chrome, the base. It does seem to have found a floor in the last three months, maybe gradually moving higher. The last sale was one hundred and thirty five dollars for a PSA 10, which was up from a low of seventy four to seventy five dollars in December. So I don't know, maybe some optimism that Sean Payton can fix whatever was So their offense.
2: This is is my question now. There, of course, there's got to be optimism. You're a fan, so you know, hope springs eternal. But now, I'm a fantasy football guy too. Do we go back and think like Sean Payton's going to fix the offense and Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton and you know, Javante Williams? It's going to be like the Saints' offense. I mean, because this is all I'm thinking. Like. Now I'm gonna dream about the Broncos offense again because we have Peyton in charge. Yeah like and I put all this fantasy equity into the Broncos this past season that didn't really work out. What's your take on that?
1: I no, no I, I it did, prove it. I agree with that. Prove it.
0: My my take is I'm not I am not maybe as excited as probably other Broncos fans are about you gotta the Sean Payton. I'm see more it. skeptical. Yeah, and I think it's just because I don't know that I was a huge Sean Payton fan when he was with the Saints, but to your point, I mean, but that, you know, because remember they had um, Michael Thomas. Uh, I mean, they had Drew Brees, right? I mean, they had some, now I guess Denver, Denver has some stud skill players, no question about it, but well, there were, Thomas you know, is always injured. Yeah. And, and the one thing in Denver that Sean Payton can't fix, right, is the offensive line. I mean, yeah. we, and we don't have draft picks to really, you know, to shore that up because we gave all those away. So I don't know. I'm, and and my other thing with Wilson is, look, I think his thumb injury from the year before in Seattle, I think it was a thumb injury. I think that had a bigger impact than, than anyone was letting on. Cause I don't, I just don't believe that he suddenly, you know, he was this quarterback that was throwing for, you know, 40 touchdowns and, and, you know, 10 interceptions for years and years and years. And all of a sudden he gets to Denver and he, forgets how to throw the ball and like you know Uh it's like what's happening here because it's not like we were lacking for skilled players right i mean jerry judy and Cortland sutton and like you said javante williams and we we were the most in and this isn't just a you know sort of homer alert here this this is fact right denver was the most injury riddled team in the nfl so yes that had an impact but i said later in the season like i'm not giving them any excuses I don't know what happened in Denver. So yeah, I'm skeptical Dale, but I but you're right, I am hopeful like this better work. I mean, the the other thing that worries me is like we're giving away so much that if this doesn't work, we're probably going to be like stuck at the bottom of the barrel for the next 5 years and I don't want that.
2: I don't know about that though. The defense, I mean, I think I saw a stat that said if Denver scored more than 18 points a game on offense, they'd be like 12 yeah. and so i mean it's ridiculous so yeah. you go in knowing you have a stout defense right i mean if all things are equal going into yep. you know next year and score 20 points a game and be thir- like the minnesota vikings were <laughs> this this past year i mean i i think it's a small fix and you know again there's reason to be optimistic which is yeah. good
0: no, it's a good point. I, it, that's and that's why that was what frustrated me this last year, especially as I feel like, man, we're wasting this really good defense. Because, like you said, if we could just score twenty points a game, man, we would have had one of the better records in the league, right? But with that defense, but suddenly, you know, all of a sudden, Russell Wilson couldn't and and the offense couldn't put up a, a touchdown to save their life.
1: So it's a great problem to have though. I'd rather have that problem.
0: Yeah. Uh, what? Oh, have a good, good defense and a bad, bad offense. offense. Yeah, you're, like you're offense probably right. A bad offense fixable. is
1: probably easier to fix, especially yeah. when you have players like that.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Right. All right. Well, that's enough about that. Let's get on to the playoffs, and we can talk about that Bengals Chiefs game. Obviously, Eagles 49ers. We got Super Bowl predictions. I don't know where you want to start. The Bengals just game. really
1: sad about the Bengals, man. I really thought they had that thing. I know. I feel like the last like that last drive before he before they turned it over, I was like this is it, man. Yeah. I was like this is the game winning drive right here. Yeah. I was so ready. <laughs> for Joe Burrow to get a game-winning drive, and then he didn't.
0: Well, and look, there was a lot made about the refs during the game. I'll and say they, this. Like,
1: I feel like – and then they gave up. I just feel like the end of that game was so just unfortunate, man. Yeah. Like it was like – I feel like they had all the momentum, and then they had the long kick return, and then like the 15-yard penalty where the dude like didn't need to push him. And mm-hmm. it was just like
0: – And that's got to be hard. It look- was
1: just like in two plays they were in field goal range, and it was like, man, you were right there. Yeah like and you just like it was like those are so those two mistakes were so bad well someone was saying
0: like it bangles curse right i but and that that penalty that uh, it was it was it i think it was it, it is what it was right it, that's the rule he did he did push him when he was clearly out of bounds yeah but that's if you're a Bengals fan that's got to be tough obviously you really like, I, yes. I was
1: like i was like man like he was really close to not being out of bounds I know. when he pushed him. Like I was really, the timing was just really close. Well, and it, and, the, like, and when
0: you speed it up, when you don't, that's the one thing, like we all see these like super slow-mo and then, and then it looks like, oh man, he was like eight yards out, you know, and then you put it in fast motion and, and it's it looks like, like bang, bang. 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 Like, yeah. When yeah. I
1: saw it, I thought he pushed him out of bounds. Yeah. And then they called it and I was like, oh, I guess he was out of bounds already. But like, I but just it, feel like that was such an unceremonious end to that game. It was it was uh, yeah. like so, like it was just like. Well, here's what bad. I'll say to
0: Bang as a Broncos fan. Here's and this is like get out the little play the violin music Dale while I'm when I'm saying this. But the, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll say you know as a Broncos fan to the Bengals, like welcome to our world. In terms of people complaining about the Chiefs not being you know no holding and passing, you know the defensive backs are grabbing and they're very handsy. It's like, yeah, welcome to our world. I've been com- griping about this, about the Chiefs for the last three or four years. And, of course, Kansas City's owned the Broncos. I think they beat the Broncos something like 18 or 19 straight times. But, you, yeah, I, I, there's so many games where I literally would, like, pause the game and, like, rewind and then slow-mo it and be like, look at the guy. He's like – the offensive lineman's, like, tackling the defensive player. The ref is sitting right there looking at, like – it's cra- – there's so many – that's Kansas City. They do the. They're just. It's what they do. They they hold a lot. Their defensive backs are on the offensive line. They hold a lot. Their defensive backs are very handsy and and very physical. And they grab and tug jerseys and pull and and.
2: Hey, hey it's it's only cheating if you get caught. <laughs> That's right. Just because right. you're just because you're trying for any advantage. You know, God love them. Our yeah. guys are doing the same thing. And, uh, you know, welcome to my world where the Bears were, I think, 3-13. and 13. So, <laughs> Okay? But <laughs> at least
0: you're going to get a first-round pick. Dave. Matters of
2: degree. Okay? Yeah. So let's just keep things in perspective.
1: Hey, I'll, I'll <laughs> say there were a lot of holding calls in that game, though, both sides.
2: Yeah, I don't and, think and I'll say I don't think the did, refs did a bad
1: job in that game. I know that's probably like, heresy to like a lot of people. The 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 Chiefs first touchdown uh, was taken away because of a holding penalty. Yeah. So the yep. one where they did get a huge advantage off of it, they did get I actually call right, thought the so. worst
0: officiating game was the Eagles 49ers versus the Bengals uh, Chiefs and I actually think the 49ers could have a bigger complaint, but I don't think it would have mattered anyway because of what happened to them on the injury front. So it didn't, but but man, there was, the 49ers were getting some really ticky-tack calls against them early on. And and one example is if, if you, um, I forget, I think it was their second, the Eagles' second touchdown drive, there was a face mask called, but remember a face mask, you can do the, You know, personal foul 15 yard variety. And then you can also do the incidental five yard. If you look at that face, that was so incidental. And he let go. He like grabbed it as soon as he, and you could see as soon as he realized he had the face mask, he lets go. It didn't really like yank the guy's head or anything. The guy was already going out of bounds. So it's not like it, it didn't impact the end result of the play at all. And I felt like that should have been a five yard incidental. They gave a 15. Anyway, there were a bunch. And that was just one of many. I think if you look at that game, you could say it was, it was a worse. Uh, game from an officiating standpoint, but again, it wouldn't have affected the outcome because of. I mean, San Francisco had what Dale was out there playing quarterback at one point. Basically, yeah, that yeah. was
2: that was rough. I felt bad for those guys. Yeah, then, I know
0: that's never like how you want to. That is not how yeah, you want a playoff it's game to go. You know where like what it literally Brock Purdy's two for two. He's looking good out of the gate, and then on his third pass attempt, bam, he gets hurt and he's out for the game. Yeah. It's just, and crazy. that's a
2: very serious. I mean, he has to come back in the game to hand off, and you yeah, know, obviously at that point it was over. But just they have no other option but the quarterback that can't throw. Exactly, brutal to be in a championship game.
0: Exactly. Now, if you're an Eagles fan, you're like, we'll take it. They were
2: celebrating from halftime.
0: That's right. Yeah. That's right. I, I
2: know a couple of them. Yeah, I know they were.
0: That's right. And they're they're going to be now in the in the Super Bowl for, what, the second time in, what, the last how many years? I think. Well, I,
2: if they win, it'll be two and five. Yeah. But yeah, and I think, but Mahomes has been in, what, is this like three and five years or something?
1: I think you're right, yeah. Five straight AFC championships. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but At you home. know what, I, and I put down
0: in the notes here. I will say, so I'll, I'll be uh, the negative Nancy on this one. I think the Bengals-Chiefs game was a bad game. It was
1: not a good game, I agree. Like It was, it was not, not a I good game. I think everyone game.
0: would say it was an epic game because it came down to that last field goal. I but I think, think the majority of the game, like yeah, both no. teams got just about 300 yards of, of total offense each. Like that's for those two for those offenses. That's that's like that's terrible. Those they it was not. I don't think a great game when you look statistically. I was you know they were slightly less. I
1: was getting kind of like just watching it. It didn't feel very good to me. It didn't feel like either team was really playing that well. No, like Cincinnati couldn't get anything going. Kansas I think City could. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. Cincinnati would do. Would just like would match them. Well, like, there were thirteen
0: it. penalties, three turnovers. This is between both teams. Three turnovers, less than fifty percent third down conversion rate. Both teams combined one for three. They combined for on, in touchdown scoring when they were goal to go. Neither team got a hundred yards rushing. Both teams had just barely three hundred yards of total offense. Like you look at Burl's. A, a lot
1: of penalties were kind of the reasons why yeah. a lot of those drives actually scored. Like yeah. a lot of them got pushed so far forward because of penalties, yeah. not actual offense.
0: And like Burl threw two picks. He had just a 70.2 quarterback rating. Mahomes, yeah, he did throw for 326 yards with two touchdowns and no picks and 105 quarterback rating. But that literally was like their entire. Because I think they had like 320 yards of total offense and he had 326 yards passing. Like, you know. It, it, I mean, anyway, and and then, you know, with Burrow, look, I mean, I don't know, because both those teams, like you look at Burrow, they got a bunch of good t- of talent on the skilled positions, right? But in the playoffs, three playoff games, he threw just four touchdown passes. He was 72 for 109, 721 yards, which means he was averaging about, what, 10 yards of completion. So here, basically, here was his average stat line over three playoff games. It was 24 for 36 for 240 yards. I mean, not terrible, but not like you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread anyway. So, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was just an okay game.
1: I feel and, like one of the best things to come out of it was that, that um, rookie running back on Kansas city. Yeah. Had a super What's his Pacheco? I, I don't really remember or, or his, say his name. last name. I don't remember who, what his name was, but he had a great game. Isaiah Pacheco. Pacheco. Do,
2: do yeah. Do we feel like these are the best two teams in the NFL though? I mean, I, it's,
1: yeah, when I, don't else, know if, yes. I
2: don't know if I would have, like three weeks in, we probably could have picked these two teams and said, "So, yeah. I, is there is there much pa- parity or is there as much parity in the, in the NFL as they like to claim? I don't I, know if there is.
0: Well, I I actually think Buffalo could have and should have. Been, I don't know what happened to Buffalo in the playoffs. I guess maybe... You know they're cursed like as well, but,
1: man. but Buffalo, I think, has yeah, Cincinnati. But so
2: those those are the four teams. If you would have pulled us, probably week three, yep. we would have set right. I mean, so it ended it ended the way we would have thought. In the, I mean,
0: that's a good point.
2: For the most part,
0: yep, right. That's a really good right. point. And look, the Eagles. I mean, obviously, you know, can't really. I don't know that you can draw much a conclusion from what they did against San Francisco and 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 San Francisco's defense you know is was was good and obviously you know didn't necessarily get affected by I mean I guess it kind of did because they had to be on the field a lot but um, I think the
2: I think the Eagles offensive line is the best line in the league and you could tell in the 49er game yep. that 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 is not a team that's going to lose I would I would bet the house. Joanna won't let me, but I would bet the house on the Eagles winning the Super Bowl.
0: Nice. All right, Off- so let's get to that Super Bowl prediction. I, I, I
2: already, I already uh, told you, but
1: yeah. All right, so Dale's
0: Dale's on the Eagles. Know, I, think it's, I
1: think it's very interesting. Dale's going
0: to be moving in with us in in another week. Or, no, that's no right. Way. No, no way.
1: <laughs> no, I'm I'm definitely the Philadelphia Eagles are definitely going to win. However, I will say it's an interesting situation because of the injury to Mahomes. But I feel he, like he gets two weeks now before the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm not really 100%. I mean, he's not going to be 100%, but I don't think that matters. I think there's some players have a tendency to play better when they're injured. Or yeah, at least,
0: that's a good point. Like,
1: like not better, but they just like play better than you would expect them to. I feel like they've got, they're the very obvious underdog, and being like the Chiefs where they're usually not the underdog, that could actually help them. Yeah. So. I think it's interesting. I'm taking Philadelphia for sure. However, I, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think Kansas City does have – they do have a shot, obviously, because they're it, in it. But like, it worries, I feel like they have yeah. more of a shot than people think. It
0: worries me that I, we're all going to take I, Philadelphia because I'm taking Philadelphia as well. Look, I have I said all along, that's what Jalen Hurts really, was my fantasy quarterback like, this I, year. I've, I've been a fan. But I it, I it, like. can you really count out Mahomes? And no, Andy's you can't. Kansas City, City, yeah. it's,
1: called, it's a really good football team. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, um, but and well coached. Coach Andy up, yeah. Andy Reid is going to get that team ready. I mean, yes, it, you know. I think we just hope for a great game, and this this matchup looks like it's going to be a great a great football game. I
0: think so. And let's talk about for a minute because I did want to spend just a second and talk about Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs because he had an incredible season, really for any type, like for not just tight ends but any you know, wide receiver, tight ends, any of them, he had 110 receptions for 1,338 yards, 12 receiving touchdowns, added a couple of rushing touchdowns. So for his career now, he's at 814 receptions with 10,344 yards and 69 receiving touchdowns. Those are just his regular season stats. He's already in the top 50 all time for receiver receiving yards, and that's for any receiver, wide receivers, tight ends, um, he's in the he's fifth all time for tight ends in receptions and yards behind Tony Gonzalez, Jason Witten, Antonio Gates, and Shannon Sharp. But get this: if you look at a player's, he's played 138 games, right? So if you look at a player's first 138 games, he's actually first among tight ends in receptions, yards, and fourth in touchdowns. So he is on pace to have you know just a, an absolutely incredible career. I mean, his his rookie cards in the 2013 sets. So he's played, what, 10 10 seasons, I think. So who knows how much longer he'll play for. But if you look at like his, I looked up his Topps Chrome Refractor in a PSA 10, has a pop count of just 87, sold a couple of days ago for $380. Now that's up from about $300 a month ago and maybe $250 three months ago. But still, it's done well. Another popular one is his 2013 score. And that one in a PSA 10 is pretty much flat over the last several months, selling for around 175 bucks, give or take. And one more I'll give you is his 2013 Prism in a PSA Panini Prism in a PSA 10, last sold for $240. That's up from about $150 over the past couple of months. So his stuff's been doing well. Another player I did want to mention coming out of this maybe doesn't get talked about a lot because we always focus on the quarterbacks, but is Indominican Sue. Man, he had an impact with the Eagles this year. And if you think about him, because people have talked about Von Miller, you know, and kind of what he did going to the, you know, he was with the Broncos, their Super Bowl, went to the Rams, or so their Super Bowl, then went to the Bills. Everyone was thinking maybe he'd get a Super Bowl with them, and then he got injured. But Nam in Khan the past five years, now with the Eagles going to the Super Bowl, he will now have appeared in three of the last five Super Bowls, which is pretty amazing. I mean, he went to the Super Bowl with the Rams, with the Bucks. And now with the Eagles and he was the defensive rookie of the year in 2010 with Detroit, his rookie cards in those 2010 sets. And to give you an idea on the value of some of his stuff, his 2010 tops Chrome in a PSA 10, you can get it for under hundred bucks. I just saw one sell for like $46. And some of his serial numbered refractors are also under hundred bucks. So there you go. And did you know, I didn't know this about a Dominican suit. He was apparently born in Portland, Oregon. So he's a Oregonian. And he's, I did not know that. yeah, I didn't I know, did know that either. 30, 36 years old. All right, so we're all going Eagles, which probably means the Chiefs are going to win.
2: They have a, a really good chance to win.
0: All right, that's it. Let's move on from football. Let's go to the NBA. This is the last uh, segment we've got before we wrap up the show. And where do we want to start? Let's start with LeBron, the, Le- the, Le- the LeBron watch here. Nine points. He, yep, and when you do the math, I mean, unless he averages like 30 in the next three He's most likely going to break it, like we said last week, against Milwaukee
1: at home, which would be on the February ninth. Situation, I think, for yeah. everybody involved. That is that's Thursday. That's at home against the Bucks, who Kareem was drafted by. And Ooh, that's on, an interesting one, and it's on that. and it's yeah, on TNT right. Thursday inside the NBA night. Yeah, there I you go. Oh, that's, oh, that's like it's going to. I have, think it's unless like he doesn't play in one of these it. games, he's got to. That's that's and, like, like that pacing is like he's paced perfectly for that. And I feel like LeBron being LeBron knows that and I feel like he's probably going to want to do that.
0: Well, and look, regardless of what I know something like we talked before sometimes different people have different thoughts about LeBron, but regardless of what you think about LeBron, I mean, this is a huge accomplishment, right? I mean, Kareem's record has with has been, you know, standing for decades. I'm gonna,
1: I'm gonna even I'm gonna even go on your point of, of the whole regardless of what you think of LeBron. I don't understand how people can really have any bad thoughts towards LeBron honestly. like he's done like one thing in his entire he made one decision that people didn't agree with they didn't handle very well. That's the only thing he's done like his entire career. like I feel like everything else like he's never gotten into trouble. He's handled his business off the court very well. I feel like he's like a perfect, he's like a very good, I would say, role model for like an athlete that's successful. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't understand. Fair enough. What problem you could have with him now. Yeah, fair enough. Like that's what, well, and that's probably, I mean, and that's one of the most impressive things to me with, with him being him, him. Yeah.
0: Well, like I said, whatever you think of him, this is a huge accomplishment. And so, you know, he's deserving of, of props on it. And it's going to be that, like you said, that I didn't even think about that. You're right. Kareem with the Bucks. I mean, that, that actually will be a pretty cool setting. I would love it to
1: be, it, it to be on inside the NBA. And I don't know if you've seen, he's been practicing the sky hook on pregame. Oh, <laughs> so really? I think he plans to break it with that is my guess. Nice. I feel like I, just like LeBron being himself. I feel like from what I've heard about people who know LeBron players and stuff, like he very obviously like knows this. I feel like he will be trying to, get it in that game specifically for that for those reasons yeah
0: um so speaking of lebron and the lakers so there was some again some scuttlebutt this last week when the lakers played the celtics and a lot of people we were talking before we started recording brandon and i a lot of people were focusing on the non-call against lebron when he went up and obviously got hacked i mean everyone and their mother saw it but apparently the refs which was egregious and, right, and that's the you most know, egregious one to
1: me because it's a game winner. It is,
0: but I'm going to go back to, to me, the more controversial call was the play before that. And the reason I think it, cause look, refs miss calls, right? So it's like, okay, it was egregious, but it missed whatever. But the play before that, when you look at the video of that ref, so there was, they, they, I forget who took the shot from the corner for the Celtics. They were down by three. They needed three pointer. Someone from the Celtics took a shot from the corner, missed it. Jalen Brown came down the lane, got the rebound, put it back for the two, scored. Lakers basically got the ball. We're taking the ref, like that was on the sideline, started running back down the court. Like play was over for, you know, seemed like forever. It's probably like two seconds, right? But seemed like it was forever. He starts running down the court. All of a sudden, he stops, comes back, blows his whistle, calls a foul, and everyone's looking around like. What 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 happened? And it's like, and then he called the foul on Jalen Brown's putback, which was like happened forever. And you know, and and they need, and by the way, they needed that free throw because they were down by one, right? So they would have had to foul, and then that LeBron layup wouldn't even mattered at that point. But because they get that call, he gets the end one, shoots the free throw, makes it, that ties the game, right? Which then sets up LeBron, and then he doesn't get that call, so now it goes to overtime. And then of course the Lakers lose in overtime. But so that that call against Jalen to me was the more controversial one. Just because if you look at the video, the ref watched the play, clearly starts running back down the court like there's nothing. And then all of a sudden stops at like half court, walks back and blows his whistle, kind of like, Oh yeah, I forgot. I wanted to call a foul on that. You one. know, that's the
1: interesting one. <laughs> that's interesting to me, because now that I'm thinking about it, like I was watching the game and like I remember the call. It did seem late, but to me it didn't seem like that. Yeah, like and like I, so I would need to see it again, um, personally. I tried to find it, yeah, I couldn't find it before here before we started talking about this, but um, it
0: was interesting. And Look, I I, I don't have a dog in the hunt because when I was watching
1: it live, I didn't really think it was like that late, yeah, person. But I mean, it could have been. I would need to see it again.
0: The the only thing that got me is the video is like, and there's clear video out there. You can go look it up. And again, I'm not trying to, I don't have a dog in the hunt on this, so I don't care. I just, I just thought, I did think it was interesting though. because. But if you look it up, you see that ref, like he's got his arms, his hand up, shot goes in, scores. He puts it down, turns around, kind of starts like shuffling, you know they do back. And then gets to half court, and, like stops,
1: comes back, blows his whistle. And it's like, wait, what? Like <laughs> The only, so what <laughs> I'll say is that's weird. But again, I would need to see it again. Because usually when you see stuff like that, they're kind of waiting to see. Like what the results of the contact is yeah and whether it like actually kind of impacted anything or not because that's kind of one of the rules when you're looking for fouls i think a lot of times i mean it obviously does have a little bit to do with last name yeah uh, i think that, that definitely no one can deny, deny that but at the same time like that's usually where those delays come from so again i would need to see the play again but yeah i, I remember it did seem late so well, if conspiracy the theorists wanted to unite, you the, would say he remembered that one.
0: they needed one more free throw to tie the game. So he we <laughs> so it's a,
1: it's a whistle, Yeah, yeah.
0: So look, I don't um, know. No,
1: I think the crazy thing is like uh, on the missed call on LeBron, especially, I feel like people have been kind of blowing this out of proportion and just like kind of tirading against every ref and like saying, you know, the NBA has like a huge, like as apparently now has a huge ref problem, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just think it's ridiculous. I don't think they have a huge ref No, I think it's ridiculous. I think people are blowing it way out of proportion. I think refs miss calls. I think this was a really egregious miss call, and they need to be better. But like it happens. And I think the reason that this is getting the most attention is because it was Saturday night primetime on national TV where everybody saw it. Yeah. With LeBron against the Celtics, the end of rivalry week, quote-unquote, and it's you know it's LeBron. You would expect LeBron to get that call. Yeah, like he only gets the benefit of the doubt, and so that's why it's such a like a quote unquote big deal. But like yeah. at the end of the day, it well, doesn't look, matter that much. I, you and, can and, say and, this- and, like, the, and to be fair, the game was tied. They had five more minutes to win. And in my personal opinion, I feel yep. like they made. Really, like fundamental mistakes. I can't even believe they made an overtime, and they did not deserve to win after overtime. Brandon, they deserved the, to win in regulation, but they did not deserve yeah, to win so, in those last. No, Brandon five always
0: has the approach of like the classic. It's classic head coach approach, right? With yeah, with, yeah. With, maybe there were some calls, but you know we had every opportunity to well, win they, the they shouldn't should yeah. have won.
1: They should have one. They're human but too. But then they don't, played yeah. terrible in overtime. Like yeah, literally, like, like I don't know if you like there was one play where they made a layup and didn't get back on defense jalen brown takes the ball out not particularly fast and just runs all the way the length of the court and scores a layup and Patrick Beverly commits a stupid foul on San Juan that's like so mind-boggling to me like that's why the Lakers aren't good like his mistakes like that they make this kind of stuff all the time and it's like I get it it's hard to play after that kind of a call but like they had every opportunity to still win in overtime and they just made like at that point it was still a super close game and that just totally screwed them over it was crazy to me but i don't know it well, wasn't egregious it wasn't a greatest missed call i think we we might have gotten like a top five technical of all time out of it from patrick beverly i don't know if you saw yeah it. where we brought the camera he out. literally brought like the the cameraman's camera not like the ipad that they have like on the sideline with the replay he went back and had a cameraman Go back to the replay and show it to the he took his camera and showed it to a referee. I'm really surprised he did not get ejected for that. Yeah. That's like that's like that is so crazy that he did not get ejected, but that is it was pretty kinda it's kinda hilarious. It was pretty that's like classic Patrick (laughs) Beverly. But I mean (laughs) that's like that's like so disrespectful. the, <laughs> that's, that's, that that should be an ejection, personally. But. Look,
0: and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this anymore. But but I but because we got to move on to other things, other because this doesn't need to be a two hour show. But but the um, I will say this with the the Lakers and LeBron, you know, you think about where the Lakers are in the standings, right? Not having a good year, may not make the playoffs, and yet the Celtics, right, best team in the league, right by record, right, and and they here here they are taking them to overtime. I mean, the Lakers are capable beating anybody is the reality. Anybody's
1: capable of beating anybody. Well, that's true. But, but the Lakers, I mean, are they especially are, and I think obviously they've had injury problems. I think the Hachimura trade was really good. I think that can help them a lot. I think once they start to have their guys back together, we could maybe see them make some sort of a push. I guess we'll see. Yeah. But also Boston has lost to Orlando three out of four times, so let's not get carried away.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. All right, well – where do you, what else you got? You want to talk anything as far as, no, there hasn't been really any big trade stuff happen yet before deadline. You want to talk any all-star stuff?
1: Oh yeah, let's get to all-stars because like, all the all-stars are out now. Yep. Yeah, we didn't cover it last time because we recorded like right before the starters were announced. But yep. now all the starters and the reserves were announced. The reserves were announced just like about two hours ago. Some interesting reserves, I think, in the East at least. So we can start with the starters so your West starters, were your backcourt's obviously Steph and Luka. That's no surprise to anybody. And then LeBron, Jokic in your frontcourt. I think the biggest surprise for me was Zion being the third frontcourt starter for the West. Yep. I just don't think he's played enough games to be a starter. Personally, he missed like 20 games so far. That's like half the season so far. And, and so like the starters are based on like 50% fan votes. So that's really why. But personally, I think it's a little bit too many games to miss. Like statistically, absolutely. Well, no, that res- was the only one for me that was a little weird.
0: I agree. And then reserves, you got SGA. Well, let's Jawa. Start, Let's
1: go to the East um, starters okay. first. Yeah. The starters for the East. Oh, and captains are LeBron and Giannis. Yep. Um, but the, the the East starters: Giannis, uh, Kevin Durant, and Tatum were the front court. Embiid uh, was the reserve of those four. And then Kyrie and Donovan Mitchell, which is like I don't think anybody was surprised by those five.
0: Embiid felt, uh, I think, a little disrespected. And then uh, uh, he went out against, I think, the Nuggets, right? Uh, Yeah, it was against the Nuggets. Mm -hmm. Dropped uh, 47 points and 18 boards against them as they beat the Nuggets
1: to get their seventh straight win. Philadelphia's cruising, man. They're doing well. Um, And then we get into the reserves. So I think, well, let's start with the West because the West is a little bit more straightforward. What is it like? SGA, John Morant, Sabonis,
0: Markinen, Triple J, jaron jackson jr damian lillard and paul george
1: yeah the only one i was um surprised at was jaron jackson jr not surprised but i thought i i would have had De'Aaron fox in there and i i also want to say like
0: what about ant-man
1: yeah him, him is another one i would have had fox first though before ant-man and I, I would say the other interesting thing is, so the reserves are based on the coaches vote so i know it's different voting but like i would say that if zion is a starter Twenty games missed. I don't understand. Like, I feel like Anthony Davis should realistically, if we don't yeah. care about games, when if Davis we don't care healthy, about yeah, the guy's a beast. if we don't care about games missed, Anthony Davis because he only missed like a few more games in Zion, like two, three more games. If we don't care about games missed, AD should be All Star. I think it's now a good personally, point. I don't think he should because of games missed. But if Zion's in there, I feel like AD should be too. However, the reserves are coach votes, so it's different. Let's jump to the East. East. These were a lot more interesting yep. to me. Yep, so they had,
0: uh, the guards were Jalen Brown and uh, Holiday. Then the front court was Embiid, uh, Julius Randle, Bam, out of bio, your boy from Miami. And then uh, the wild cards were DeMar DeRozan and Tyrese Halliburton. I oh, no, no. know,
1: the wild card was Drew Holiday.
0: Oh, I, they, I thought I had him down as a guard,
1: as the reserve guard, but well, maybe that's a, the way it was. Well, yeah. he is a guard, but... What do you mean, wild card?
0: Well, whatever. I'm just showing. Let's just, let's not worry about position. So reserves are, yeah, Holiday,
1: Brown, Embiid, Randall, Adebayo, DeRozan, and
0: Halliburton.
1: Oh, there's two. Oh, I, I see what you mean. I didn't see, I didn't think the votes were done that way. I thought it was three guard, four front court, or something like that. Okay. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. No, I think um, that's really interesting to me that those, those it, seven.
0: There's, there's no one from Phoenix.
1: Dale, what's, what's going on? Yeah. Injuries. I know it is. That's injuries, issue, right? it's, 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 it's like most of the season.
0: Normally you'd have Booker in there and Chris
1: Paul's Chris missed Paul. a lot. So.
0: Well, and the other one on the, in the East, uh, this kind of interesting is um, Trey young. He's not in there.
1: Okay. So my thing with Trey young is I would put him in the same. So when I, I heard DeMar DeRozan, I was a little bit surprised, not because he doesn't deserve to be an all-star but because I thought that I had like seven guys that were not DeMar DeRozan and maybe like one or two more before him. Um, But I feel like him and Trey Young are kind of in that same category where I feel like either of those guys could make it, but they're kind of on losing teams. Yeah. Like their stats stats say all-star, but I'm not sure if I would pick them over like seven other guys in the East because the East is really tough. Yep. I was most surprised by Drew Holiday. And again, not because he's not – like he shouldn't be an all-star. He's been playing out of his mind with Middleton and Giannis like kind of in and out. I just really didn't expect to see him i really thought other people would would beat him out and like so much so that when they announced his name on tnt they normally have for every player they have highlights they like they have like a whole like graphic thing and like show like you know what all-star bid it is for them like what number yep and the show highlights the only player they they did not have highlights for drew holiday ready nice (laughs) they did not have they literally didn't play highlights because they didn't have him ready he was the only player they didn't have him for nice i don't think anybody really expected that which is crazy but well deserved and i think especially when you consider that this is the coach vote when you consider that he's i mean he's been playing really great offensively but i think how good he is defensively especially can kind of catch the eye of coaches especially i feel like it's very reason it makes sense and the other one is the the whole new york thing with randall versus brunson i don't think they could have two so they had to pick one i personally would have gone with brunson but julius randall is having a great season too so yeah um, but but for me, I think I would have done Brunson just because, well, he's, and your boy because he's kind of the reason that they've been winning to me.
0: Yeah. Well, and Jimmy Butler, we talked about, but he's probably missed too much time. Yeah.
1: I, and I think it's another thing where, like, I don't think Miami could really realistically have two, two all stars with, with where they're, they're at. Yeah, yeah. And I think Bam has been way more consistent for them. So, all right. Anything and else? So, well, and so Halliburton, great for him. Oh, yeah. The ones that I'm looking at are, I'm surprised like james harden was one that didn't make it which is interesting um the passing of the guard yeah like he's like he like he's putting up the numbers too it's just like it's so tight man it's crazy yeah um again well like it's you like what you said before if like, you're gonna
0: take some if you're gonna put someone in who you're gonna take out and mm-hmm. the reality of it is is that there's a limited number of seats there and it's kind of tough to say any of these guys aren't deserving
1: yeah it's just tough I just think. They're like Demar and Drew. I just didn't see on anybody's reserve palettes, like anywhere. Like any of you see people making them their lists on like the media. I didn't see those two on like any of them. Well, another so, like, one that was interesting. To what me. about
0: Dame's partner, Anthony Simons? I mean, that's I mean, he's probably not as consistent. I, I don't think he's not really not enough. this season. Right.
1: Like, not this season. But those are yeah, those are your all stars. Or so.
0: And then I guess you don't
1: see Kawhi. Yeah, just not enough games played. But yeah, those are all-stars. I think that's a pretty solid roster to me. All right. A um, little bit of surprises, but overall, I don't have anything to complain about. So
0: Dale, who you collecting? You, so you're so you doing Walter Payton in football. You're doing Ernie Banks in baseball. Are you do, you're doing Jordan?
2: No basketball because I can't afford Jordans. I know. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, might, yeah. You know, I, I might start collecting like Pippins, and I would be into modern players. I, I'm listening to Brandon intently. So I'm yeah. trying to figure out who I need to collect, and um, I'm listening for clues.
0: Well, the one I'm the one I've been trying to do some. I, I shouldn't say this because now I'm you know probably setting it up where I'm not going to be able. They're going to all go up twenty percent. But the um, Brandon, what was it? Last episode, or a couple episodes before, talked about don't sleep on uh, Alperin Shengun. Shen-Gun. Yeah.
1: Shengun for Houston. Yeah, I think he. So might I've been be. looking
0: because he's only what twenty years old.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he came in the class of like Jalen Green. Yeah. So, so I've been looking at some of I've his stuff. Him. I might try to
0: there's a couple of things that I've seen that I've tried to pick up. In fact, I messaged one guy on Instagram who had a nice auto of his auto card. I think it was a rookie ticket auto
1: out of contenders and relatively inexpensive, but I haven't heard back. So he's uh you know, yeah. maybe maybe he's one to pay attention to. I'm serious. Like Shen Goon yeah. like kind of flies under the radar, but he was my standout in summer league. And like he's just like he just knows how to play, man. He's a very solid big man. He surprises everybody, I think. Yeah. He had a 30-15 game against the Lakers a, a little bit ago, which is the youngest to do that in a long time. But, like, he's not one of those, like, flashy players. He wasn't, like, a super, super high pick. But, like, he's one of those guys who's played against, like, grown men in Europe, Yeah. like, as a teenager. Yeah. So, like, he he knows how to play. Yeah. I really like the kid. I, yeah,
0: I was looking at his, his progression from his first year to second year. Showed some really nice improvement and – like you said, he's really young. So, anyway, yeah, I'm, I might try to pick up some of his stuff. All right. Look, we don't have time to do a whole lot more today, but we I did want to get into some rookie of the year talk with, what's how do you say his last name? Ben Carroll? Yeah, ben Carroll? Ben Carroll. Ben Carroll. And because uh, he's probably can Let's save that. We'll hold that over for next time because we're running a little bit long here. But anything, Dale? You know, I've had back? a
2: really good time. So, thank you for having me back.
0: All right. Well, that. That's going to be it then. That's going to be the show. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Dale, like I said, thanks for coming back on. A lot of fun. We do appreciate having you on. I know it's taken a lot of time away from uh, you know, your family and whatever you whatever you do on a weekday night. Well,
2: it's really saved me money because I would otherwise be on eBay looking.
0: Buying at- cards. Yeah.
2: So <laughs> thank you, you. Thank you for saving me from myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah and 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 for our listeners we are working on a couple of interviews that we're excited about in the coming weeks so stay tuned for that as soon as we can get our schedules arranged we'll we'll um let you all know the timing and who it is and when they're going to be on but
1: uh brandon why don't you go ahead and take us out all right yeah once again thank you to everybody for spending some of your time with us again thank you to dale for joining us had a lot of fun um and i will say that we do want to hear from you our listeners so please message us on social media or email us that's on our website If you have questions or ideas or topics for a future show, again, we love to hear from you. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Also, check us out. We're on social media. You can follow us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And check out our website, www.the615collector.com, and subscribe to our email list.
0: Yes, and please help us spread the word. Tell your family and friends about us. Encourage them to listen to the show. Follow us on your favorite podcast outlet. And we'd also very much appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating. And so that is it. Show number 67 is in the books. Thanks again, everyone. And we will see you all next week, same time, same place here on the 615 Collector.